Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, The Marcus Warren Show. I am your host, financial advisor, tax enrolled agent, and author of the Retirement and Tax Playbooks, Marcus Warren, and I hope everyone is doing well on this Sunday. And to my left-ish, I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello, and happy Sunday. And remember that if you miss any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, Throughout this show, we will be offering a retirement rescue game plan. What is that you may be asking? Well, that is a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risk that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. In that game plan, you'll get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. And you can simply order that by going to warrenwealth.net. You go to that site, put in your information, and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered once we get more in stock, free of charge, to your front door. Once again, that's warrenwealth.net. You'll actually be put on a waiting list because it's in high demand. But you will be getting that wonderful packet of information. All right. So um, we are in our uh, second Sunday of the NFL season. Okay. And, yes, I know this is a, a financial uh, show, mm-hmm. retirement show, mm-hmm. tax show, yeah. investment show. Right. But um, I'm just such a... Uh, a big football fan. I, I was just excited after the first week. And now we're in. Of course, I love all the overreactions mm-hmm. uh, going into uh, the second week, you know, because that's the good thing about football. One is the fact that, to me, it's the ultimate team sport. Secondly is uh, the fact that uh, there's one game a week which gives the experts, the Monday morning quarterbacks, the 24-hour sports channels, they, it gives them uh, a bunch of uh, content to just talk about, just talk and speculate mm-hmm. for the next, you know, for the next six or so days, right? And it's so funny and interesting because, you know, you just, some, some, some are right, most are wrong, but they just love talking and hearing themselves talk. And then, of course, last, people love the, the, the gambling aspect of, of football oh, because, yeah. you know, that's really why it's one of the, or the number one sports uh, uh, in America, because it's, it just makes for good, um, um, good odds and good, good gambling for those who, who gamble. Um, I'm not a gambler myself, but I know a few de- degenerates out there who, uh, <laughs> who like to gamble. Um, anyway, so um, yeah, I'm excited about this, this upcoming week, and I could continue to talk about it, but I know everyone wants to get into money matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. You know, um, so when we talk about retirement, um, or when I'm asked a question about retirement, um, I'm often asked the question, you know, how much money should I save for retirement? What is that number that I should have 
once I retire, Marcus, should it be a million dollars? Should it be two million? Should it be, uh, am I good with 500,000? What's my magic number, Marcus? And, you know, the bottom line is this, there isn't a magic number that anyone should be shooting for. Um, uh, Really because, you know, retirement is obviously a goal that um, working, that most working people share. But that number that you're shooting for, it varies significantly from person to person. Um, and really the biggest factor in most people's decision about when to retire is how much money they've saved in, in their retirement fund or that nest egg. But the question of, you know, do you need a million? Do you need $2 million, $5 million, $250,000? That really all depends, and it differs depending on your specific situation. So, um, you know, if that number does differ for, for everyone, then, you know, then how much would be enough for, for a particular person? How much is enough? And of course, there's not a definite answer to that either, but by crunching some numbers, you can get uh, a ballpark idea of what that number uh, may, may be. Because what retirement is really about, it's about two things. It's about what's coming in and then what is going out. Expenses going out versus income that's coming in. Retirement is all about income. Income that's going to rise and keep up with inflation, and that's going to last as long as you do. But it all starts with a budget and figuring out really the lifestyle that you want in retirement. So, um, you know, really to, to, to accurately estimate how much money you'll need uh, each year for, your, uh, for, for retirement, um, you'll, you'll have to look at your living expenses when you retire. And if you're not retired yet, you should look at your current budget, um, and that will give you, I mean, your, your current expenses in retirement may not mirror your current expenses exactly, but it'll give you a good starting point for your estimates. So, you know, do you, you know, we're talking utilities, phone, cable. Uh, I said cable. Well, people still have cable, I guess. But uh, What's that? <laughs> I know, internet. Um, you know, all those, all, all those basic food, entertainment, travel, all, all those basic living expenses. And you come out with that, you know, the, the, the baseline uh, of, of expenses. And then once you know that projected retirement budget, you're not finished yet. Then you need to ask yourself the following five questions. And, 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 and these five questions, basically a lot of times can potentially derail a retirement if you haven't at least considered these and planned for a lot of these things. Uh, the first being, will your children or your grandkids de- depend on you for financial support after you retire? So what do I mean by that? Basically, what I mean is you have to consider the cost of uh, sending your kids to, to college. You're going to have to do that when, when, you're, when you're retired or graduate school. Um, consider this. Consider uh, whether uh, they're likely to ask uh, to borrow money for a car or for a down payment on a car or a down payment on a house. Uh, do you plan to pay for their wedding? Um, you know, that can be a, a big expense. You know, I have, I have four kids and I have two girls. And so just by, I guess, tradition alone, I'll have to pay for at least two weddings. And um, 
who started that tradition anyway? I mean, where the where the father of the bride generally foots the bill, or the you know, the parents yeah. of the bride. You have to Google that because mm-hmm. there's something interesting about that that uh, needs to be stopped. I don't see anything wrong with some collaboration. You know, okay. there's two people getting married on That's both true. sides. Mm-hmm. Why don't we split that bad boy down the middle? How about I give you? How about I give that other uh, the other uh, parents? You know, my uh, Cash App, Venmo, mm, yeah. Zelle account. Yeah. You know, Just now we know can split. Much. Yeah, let me know how much. Let's you know, I'll, I'll, I'll shoot you. An invoice. We yeah. can split that bill. There we go. Anyway, I digress. So, but the bottom line is, you know, your your children and and, and or your grandkids they may depend they may be dependent on you for financial support when you retire. So you might want to add or at least plan for those once you retire. Another question here is: Are you and your spouse in good health? Now, do you have family histories of major medical conditions that can prove that could prove to be expensive? Um, think about this. So, so Medicare, uh, Medicare handles some cost while you're retired. Yeah, I said it some, I didn't say all. And I think that's what a lot of uh, retirees, uh, have to come to grips with is that, yes, we do have a system in place and it's called Medicare and it does pay for some of your medical costs, but many of you retirees, AKA seniors, will pay out of pocket for some expenses. Now, I've said this before on the show. I've said this before on my appearances on, on uh, uh, different shows, but the bottom line is this. A average 65-year-old couple retiring in 2021 will spend about $295,000 on health care costs throughout their retirement, right? And that's with the assumption that the couple is covered by Medicare. And so now, and that's just for, you know, a normal, average, you know, healthy-ish couple. But now, if you have a history of major medical conditions or if you're already uh, not 100% on the up and up, going into retirement, then those costs will pretty much be increased. And are you and have you prepared for that? Because that can really derail a retirement, um, especially if you and or your spouse, you know, happen to uh, fall ill or need any kind of major um, surgeries or uh, anything like that, treatments in, uh, in retirement. And so those are, you know, two out of the five things that you, you really have to think about as you're trying to come up with this magic number or how much you're going to need in retirement, because uh, it's, 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 it's a lot to think about. And so, you know, when, when you make that transition from working to retirement, um, you have to remember this, that it's all about income, what's coming in versus what's going out. And so right now, we've established two out of the five expenses that you have to prepare for outside of your just basic living expenses. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the other three things that you have to consider. And then we'll also talk about uh, where is this retirement income even going to come from? You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, of course, this is the theme song of Friends. Yes, However, it is. the song is called I'll Be There For You, which I think most people know. Um, it's by the Rembrandts, right? <laughs> yes. Rembrandts. <laughs> yes. I was going to say Rememberants. Oh. But anyway, um, 1995, the song came out. Okay. How did it, did it come out in 1995? Is that when Friends started? How long did the, Friends last? It says the first episode aired September 22nd, 1994. I, I know. This, that, well, okay. this was the theme. Well, maybe it came out. Maybe this. Um, um, the album came out later. The album came out mm-hmm. later. The album yeah. came out in 1995. Number yep. 17, by the way, just in the U.S. Hmm. You would think this would be a number one song, but when it's a theme song, nobody's going to make it a number one song. True. 17 in the U.S., number three in the U.K. Okay. There you go. But there you go. I used to watch Friends all the time. Oh, yeah. I was just about to say that. Yeah, I used to watched, love this show, even well, though I, mean, I was almost who didn't. I know yes, you probably watched the. Re- right. No, you probably saw some Mm-mm, of them. When it was I on. kept up with uh, them. I remember patiently, not not patiently waiting for the last <laughs> season. I was so excited. That's right. Well, how long did it run? Do we know? Till yeah. two thousand four final there episode. Oh, nine years. There you go. All right. Anyway, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show, where we talk uh, all things uh, personal finance, investing, retirement. All that good stuff. So um, I was, I left off and I was talking about um, that there is no magic number that um, a lot of times uh, people shoot for this um, million dollar nest egg that they want or uh, $2 million nest egg that, that they want. And they all think that there's just this magic number that that's out there. And, you know, it, it, it's really not, it's a, it, it's a function of income and expenses, right? It's what's coming in versus what's going out. And so um, I spoke about that in the last segment and I talked about number one, you have to have your, your, your baseline of uh, living expenses, right? Utilities, food, uh, entertainment, uh, things of that nature. And then there's some uh, five things that you need to consider. And I talked about two, I talked about one, are, are your grandkids or your children uh, going to be dependent on fi- dependent on financial support after you retire, and then are you and your spouse in good health? So those were uh, two out of the five. But now I'll do the rest because I didn't get to the rest of this last segment. So if you're just joining us, I'm going to talk about uh, the other uh, expenses that you have to consider uh, once you're in retirement. So um, so we already talked about children and grandkids, and we talked about uh, health issues, right? Now let's talk about debt. Do you have debt or a mortgage maybe or other home cost going into retirement? A lot more, a lot of more people uh, and retirees are going into retirement uh, with mortgage debt, credit card debt, car loans, student loans, and they all will affect your budget and you have to try to plan for those things. And really, even if you've already paid off your mortgage, you're still going to have ongoing costs associated with home ownership, which uh, uh, specifically you got what property tax, homeowners insurance, uh, maintenance, uh, if the water heater breaks, something like that, you know. And so those are those costs that you have to think about going into retirement. And so one of the biggest ways to uh, mitigate, um, you know, too much debt, uh, going into retirement is really trying to, trying to pay most of that off. And I would always start with the high interest 
debt, the bad debt, you know, credit card uh, debt specifically. Um, and then after that, you can attack those, those, those car loans. Um, but, you know, obviously the less debt you go into uh, retirement with, the more uh, that that money uh, frees up additional cash flow so you can use that for fun things like travel or, um, you know, presents for the grandkids, whatever that may be. Um, but that is something that you have to account for when you're putting that budget together. Yes, I said it, budget. Um, all right, so another thing is, is or number four, uh, one of the things that some people have to consider is this. Will you have to potentially care for your parents or other family members as they get older. So do you or your spouse, do you have elderly parents? And if you do, uh, could they need physical or financial assistance uh, in their older age, right? So you should be prepared uh, to potentially meet those needs if uh, you're, you're in that situation. Because uh, what I have found out by, by being in the business, um, you know, as, as long as I have is, um, a lot of people do not have long-term care insurance and a lot of people's long-term care insurance is their kids. I just have my kids take care of me. And, you know, sometimes that, that works, but most times it, it doesn't. And, and, and what I mean by that, that it, that it doesn't work is that although there are kids, um, uh, that are taking care of, of their parents, um, in their advanced ages, um, a lot of times, you know, there can be that, uh, that uncomfortable uh, uh, resentment that just resides uh, within the family over uh, one, either the parent and the child or two, the siblings, because one of the siblings is the, you know, one, one of the siblings is the one that is taking care of uh, the parent and the other, you know, the other siblings are, you know, are not. And so there's, so sometimes there's resentment there. Um, so there's, you know, an emotional toll uh, that uh, that can take. But uh, financially, um, if you are a, ch- a child who is going to have to, or is taking care of an elderly parent, then a lot of times that can be um, a financial burden on your retirement. All right, moving on. The last one that you have to account for, last expense that you have to account for uh, in retirement are taxes. Of course, you know I was going to get to taxes. Yeah, we're talking about taxes. Taxes. Not a paycheck. Not a paycheck. Taxes. And so what kind of taxes do you pay in retirement. Uh, One is you're going to pay income tax. Wait, Marcus, I'm retired. Uh, Why would I have to pay income tax? Well, don't you want an income? Aren't you going to have some sort of income coming in in retirement? Uh, Social security income, you may potentially have to pay taxes on that. Pension income, definitely have to pay tax on that. Uh, uh, Don't you want to pull money from your nest egg? You know, everyone's talking, we're talking about having that that magic number of retirement, you know, 500,000, 200, two, 2 million, whatever that may be. Are you going to, going to want to take income from that? If you are, you're going to have to pay income tax. So that generally doesn't stop. Property tax, talked about that. Sales tax, uh, taxes on your IRAs. But the bottom line is the big, one of the biggest expenses that you'll have to account for in retirement will be taxes. That's right. And so after you have an idea about all those expenses that I named, and you have to consider at least, the next step, yeah, there's another step, is you have to calculate your retirement income. 
your retirement income. So where does income come from once you are retired? Um, Number one, uh, which most people get if you have 40 credits of working history, is social security, right? You get social security. Um, and, you know, that differs for, for, for most. Um, and we all know with social security, you can take it as early as 62. You can take it at full retirement age, which is 66 or 67 for most folks. And then you can wait and take it as late as 70 where you get these enhanced benefits, Right, so you have that as a baseline, Social Security. Some people uh, have pensions. It used to be a lot of people had pensions that they could rely on, uh, but now pensions have basically gone the way of the dodo bird and they have become extinct. Pensions? Pensions, anyone? No? No? Okay, moving on. And really, when you think about pensions, uh, pensions, the reasons that, 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 that pensions have basically become extinct is because of what I call the great risk shift, where the risk shifted from the employer providing these pension benefits and uh, providing retirement for their workers to now the workers being uh, burdened with uh, their own, coming up with their own uh, retirement and retirement accounts. And this basically happened uh, back in the early 80s, early to mid 80s is when you started to see the transition from companies saying, let's get these pensions off of our books and let's uh, implement these 401k plans. And basically, um, like I said, it was a way that companies were able to unload uh, their, their debt burdens and basically put it on their clients, um, or the, on their clients, on their uh, employees uh, with the 401k plans. Because if you remember, um, for those of you who used to have pensions or the way just pensions worked, uh, you didn't have to take any money out of your paycheck for your pensions. Your employer uh basically had this pension fund and they contributed into the pension fund for you on your behalf. And then once you retired, you got to collect on that money without any money coming out of your paycheck. And then all that changed. And so pensions, for those of who, those who have pensions, that, is, that would be considered retirement income. For those who, those who don't, now you have to look to your 401ks, your IRAs, your company retirement plans, things of that nature that you are now responsible for. So you got Social Security coming in. Pension may or may not be coming in as retirement income. And then, of course, whatever you are pulling from what you have saved in your IRAs or your company retirement plans. All right, so where else can income come from in retirement? Well, if you've invested in real estate, you can have uh, rental uh, property. If you have rental properties, uh, that's uh, income in retirement. Any royalties uh, that you may be getting from oil and gas investments, things of that nature. Um, and then, of course, annuity income. If you have any annuity income uh, you know, in, in retirement, that can, that can help. And, of course, you can just get you a part-time job and have that income coming in. But the bottom line is you look at all those income sources that you have coming in and you add all that up and then you have to say, okay, that's what's coming in. And then you contrast that with what is going out with the retirement expenses and the things I talked about earlier. Understanding your sources of retirement income and what expenses you'll have in retirement will help you better estimate how much savings you'll need uh, to maintain your standard of living in retirement. But it's a process. 
It's a process. That's why we do a lot of income planning uh, in our office. And it's something that's not static. You don't do it once and set it and forget it. You have to continue uh, working the plan, working that income plan, because incomes change, things change, inflation. There's so many different things that happen, but you have to be prepared. And that's what we're here for at Warren Wealth. All right, coming up next, we're going to dive into your emails. You are listening to The Marcus Warren Show. Oh, yeah. This is theme song mm-hmm. Sunday. Yes, it is. <laughs> so we had friends, and now we have a real theme song, The Jeffersons, Moving On Up, by Janet the voice. Anyway, I love the show, by the way. George and Weezy? George and Weezy. Do you know what this was a uh, spinoff of? Mm-mm. All in the Family. Okay. But you didn't know that, did you? That's what I like to uh, like to impart that wisdom on little grasshopper over here. Anyway, that's <laughs> oh, a good show, good song. I loved it. Sherman Hemsley, all the good ones. Anyway, welcome back. Welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. Oh, hold on. Yeah, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can get your retirement rescue game plan. You need to get on that wait list because we're completely sold out, but you can do that by going to warrenwealth.net. Now, that retirement rescue game plan is going to help you rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg. We're talking about market risk, inflation risk, and most importantly, tax rate risk. You have to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, get on that wait list. It is worth the wait. Go to warrenwealth.net. Now, you know what it's time for? It's time to jump into your emails. Do we have emails lined up? We do. We do? All right. Well, let me play this theme song, and then we'll uh, we see his theme song Monday or Sunday, and uh, we're not ready for our email theme song. Yes, it's Hey, all you listeners, don't forget, if you have a question for Marcus, you can now leave us a message on the Ask Marcus line. How does that work? Just call 502-622-1337 and leave a message with your question. If it's a good one, it might be featured on the show. Just uh, call the Ask Marcus line at 502-622-1337 and you might hear your question on the show. If it's a good one. If it's a good one. Here we go. Hope this is a good one. First one today is from Patrick. He says, I have two old 401ks that I've been meaning to roll over, but just never got around to dealing with it. I'm ready to make this happen, but is it a bad time now since I'm worried that the market is too volatile? Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Well, you know, the, the question I always ask in these situations, uh, Patrick, is, all right, what's the alternative? Um, so you have two 401ks that need to be rolled over. Um and you haven't got around to it, and now you're wondering if you should roll it over and invest it in the market, right? Because um, I'll answer uh, one question for you. Yes, you should roll it over. You roll it over into a self-directed IRA. Um, And so an IRA, they are just investment vehicles. They're not actual investments. 
So um, if you're concerned that there's going to be a market drop, uh, then what you should do is then one, it, once it is rolled over into that self-directed IRA, um, you can invest it in fixed income investments, bonds. I don't know uh, if you want to do that, but you know, you can get a, a CD, you can keep it in cash, you can keep it in a money market. Um, and, uh, you don't have to worry about those big, huge market swings that you are projecting. Um, however, remember this, does that market timing is impossible because you never really know day to day, whether the market's going to be up or if the market is going to be down. Really, typically in these situations, I recommend not waiting. Um, you know, do the transfer, number one, because once you do the transfer, that doesn't mean you're jumping right into the market because you're just jumping right into an IRA, which is not an investment vehicle. Um, but then when you're trying to decide if you should go into the market, there's never going to be a right time, ever. And anyone who's hit the right time has done it by pure luck and by pure happenstance. Nobody knows when the bottom of where the bottom of the market is. All right. So, so next, next, uh, um, uh, answer to your question is the way that 401k rollovers work is your 401k custodian, wherever your 401k is right now, they are going to liquidate or sell, uh, your current mutual funds that are in there. And then that custodian or the 401k provider will then write a check that they will send either to you directly to you, or they'll send it straight to, uh, the new custodian or that new IRA that you have, whether it's now with Fidelity or TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, whatever that may be, and then they will uh, hold the funds, um, put the check, and then they'll just hold the funds in cash. Once that money is moved, then you can easily choose your investments and then start to diversify and jump into the market, uh, do whatever you need um, need to do. But the bottom line is this, Patrick, you cannot time the market. Most people try to do that and they always miss the mark. So if you're ready to move that money, just get it moved over and don't worry about what may or may not happen uh, to the market. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we do these types of rollovers in our office all of the time. Uh, we can walk you through it if you need the assistance. All you need to do is go to talktomarcus.com, get on our calendar, and we can help you out. The other thing that he probably needs to consider is his 401k is likely already invested in the stock market, especially if, you know, he hasn't really made any changes since he opened it. Like most people don't, they don't make any adjustments um, as they're still working. That's right. So it's likely already invested in the market. Yeah, it probably is. And so if he's worried about the market, then he should roll it over and then time to do something, um, do something with it, but he's probably fine. Yeah. But still, you'll be okay, Patrick. Yeah, But still give us a call or uh, get on the calendar and we can help you out. All right, what else we got? Okay, next one is from Andy. He says, I'm selling one of my rental properties in the next few months, and I don't plan on buying another one, especially not in this uh, seller's market. Mm -hmm. What's the best thing to do with the money that I receive from the sale? Um, all right, so there are, really there are many benefits and challenges in the real estate area. And I think that sometimes when people get into real estate, they don't expect it to be difficult. Uh, but it can get unpredictable from repairs and maintenance to difficult tenants or just vacancies. Um, but in order to give you a recommendation, you know, I would need to ask a few specific questions to get an idea of the entire picture. So you said that this is one of your real estate properties. Um, you know, why are you, why are you selling this specific property? 
doesn't I mean does it not provide enough cash flow or are you just wanting to get out of real estate um what other questions uh, also what you know what kind of alternate investments would you be looking for um we need access to this money short term do you want it to let it just grow over time uh is this a retirement investment do you have other retirement savings have you set aside any amount to pay for taxes on the sale yeah, there's a lot of stuff to consider there, uh, Andy. Um, and so you would also need to consider whether, whether you need to access the cash due to unexpected events such as vacancies in your other properties. So a lot of stuff out there, right? A lot of questions. Um, you know, that's why I, uh, I'm in this profession. That's why I get paid the big bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, so in general, if we take the question, uh, Andy, in this basic form, um, and, uh, Andy is just saying, okay, I've got some cash. I got some money that is free and clear. What should I do with it? Um, you know, my first response is, you know, we got to find out your, your risk tolerance and things of that nature, but we could potentially invest it in the market. Right. Um, but you need to work with a, an advisor, a good fiduciary advisor to come up with the proper allocation to limit that risk if that's something that, that you're looking to do. Um, obviously, um, I did have a lot of questions. If you want to, uh, you know, get on our calendar and answer those questions that I asked you, Andy, um, you can go to talktomarcus.com, schedule that phone call, and we can sit down and discuss your specific situation. So there you go. And, and, and I think that, um, you know, for, for the most part, on, you know, on the show, you know, our, our disclaimer is always that, you know, we're not giving anyone specific advice, even when we're talking about, um, you know, the market or if it's a good time, if it's a bad time, bonds, whatever that may be, uh, cryptocurrencies. We're never, ever making that that specific recommendation or anything like that. You know, we're always giving people general, you know, ideas and, and our opinions of the way things are going and what we see out there. Um, and so, you know, that's why, especially during this segment, the email segment, we always talk about, hey, if you want us to uh, give you specific information and to help you out personally, then, you know, we give you the talktomarcus.com calendar um, so you can set up that time because, um, you know, what works for one, trust me, does not work for everyone and does not work for all because it's all about you and individualized answers to your individualized and personal questions. Let's do one more. Okay. (laughs) Next one is from Cynthia. She says, my husband and I have been retired for almost seven years now. In the past, he's always taken care of the financial matters. He's been in poor health recently, and I want to be more involved. How do I start? All right. So this is a good question, and I think it's important uh, that you are taking the step to be more involved. Uh, I see this a lot with, a, with retired couples, typically there is one spouse who is more heavily involved in the finances while the other spouse uh, isn't uh, as involved. A matter of fact, I met with a, a client uh, this week who um, she's making a transition from moving from one state to, to another state. Um, and uh, her husband, her late husband, was the one who handled all the, all the finances. And so, you know, she was, she was in that uh, in, in that situation. And you generally see that, you know, all the time where one spouse is involved and the other spouse isn't. But uh, really the first step is to figure out what accounts you both have, uh, how the specific accounts work, at which financial institutions they are held, and make sure that you are listed as each other's beneficiaries. Um, 
Uh, and then you, and then you'll need to take into account all of the other things that we talked about: taxes, risk uh, allocation, income planning, when to take Social Security, a healthcare plan, Medicare, all all of that stuff, right? Um, so if you are working with a financial advisor, it might be a good idea to schedule a meeting with that advisor who may be able to help you answer all those questions. Um, um, if you're not working with a, a financial advisor, now is probably a good time to start looking for someone who can provide guidance for, for both of you, especially if you don't think your husband will be able to take care of the finances any longer. Um, obviously, if you need our help, uh, you can go to talktomarcus.com, uh, Cynthia, and schedule that 15-minute phone call, and, and we can get you started. There you go. A lot of things to think about. All right, so we're done with that. Thank you, D. All right, uh, coming up next, hey. We're going to get into some news you can use and news you can't use. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. Okay. Do you know what this song is? Of course I do. <laughs> now this is a story all about the theme song Sunday. Of course this is the theme song too. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff did this song. Can't leave him out. <laughs> anyway, so um, I didn't get the stats on this. I forgot when this um, came out. Uh, 1991? 80, no, it was in the 90s. I think 90s. Yeah, you can look that up. You know, it was, it was, it was good. Anyway. Welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request that retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net, order it, get on that waiting list because it's been in high demand, but it will be worth the wait. You'll get a physical packet of information that has a copy of my two books, a finance, some financial reports, and then access to my webinar entitled Taxes in retirement, once again, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net, put your information in, and that packet will be delivered free of charge to your front door. Now, you know what it's time for. It is time for some news you can use. So Senate Finance Committee Chairman Ron Wyden has floated a new levy on exchange-traded funds, or ETFs, to help pay for the Democrat $3.5 trillion budget package. Uh, ETFs, uh, for those who don't know, are basically a basket of assets that can be bought or sold throughout the day, just like a stock is. Um, The investors don't directly own the shares. A fund manager will buy or sell the underlying assets to financial institutions. Um, But this type of transaction doesn't usually trigger capital gains. However, Mr. Wyden now has called for ending that tax break for these in-kind transactions, which may affect uh, investors across the $6.8 trillion U.S. Extra- uh, ETF industry. So the plan uh, aims to crack down on the financial institutions that bypass the capital gains. He said we're only talking about taxable accounts of the wealthiest investors yeah. Although anybody who has ETFs could potentially be impacted. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, 
you know, in, in order to, and, and we always say this, in order, in order to bring more revenue in and pay for all of this government spending, they either are going to have to cut programs or they're going to have to raise taxes. And we can already see that uh, they have opted so far with going with the raise taxes route. And, um, you know, right now they're, you know, focusing on, or they say they're focusing on, you know, the rich, the millionaires and the billionaires and, you know, um, um, taking this loophole uh, out of the system. Um, really, it, it affects everyone who owns uh, ETS because mm-hmm. when, you, when you do these in-kind uh, trades, whether it's an ETF, whether it's a mutual fund, um, you know, it doesn't trigger any, um, any of those capital gains. And so they say they're going to start with uh, the wealthiest, um, but I always say that uh, that tends to, to change uh, before you... We know it. The problem with, with those types of proposals is that it never works. It, it's never worked so far. You know, saying, hey, the wealthy need to pay a wealth tax or they need to pay higher taxes, you know, or, or whatever it may be. There's so many lobbyists that, first of all, come, come into play when uh, you try to bring up some of those types of proposals. Yep. But then they also have teams of tax attorneys, enrolled agents, financial advisors who are working uh, within the law to find the loopholes and the ways around it. So it just, it never ends up working. There's always a loophole. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it works for a while. You, I mean, you know, if there, there will be, you know, there, there's always the next loophole that they end up going to. I mean, these fund managers, these investment companies, well, you know, these uh, corporations on Wall Street, they have, you know, a bevy of attorneys, especially tax attorneys. They don't just have one they rely on. They have a team, right. a department. Of tax attorneys who are always coming up with and finding these the, these loopholes and and the thing is is that yes they put it into place and then um, it works for you know uh, a period of time and then they've moved on and they're like okay that one's closed but this one is not closed so we'll start exploiting this and the cycle continues and so um, you know I mean it, at least it's it, it's something I mean you know but you know at the same time like I said it's it's is you know they, they those taxes. Slowly but surely, you know, they're uh, just that's ends how, up that's, yep, that's how the government does it, trickling down to everybody else. You eventually. got it eventually. All right, what else? Okay, uh, Massachusetts regulators are fining Mass Mutual four million dollars and ordering it to overhaul its social media policies right. after accusing the company <laughs> of failing to supervise an employee who helped launch the GameStop frenzy earlier this year. So the settlement announced on Thursday centers on the actions of uh, Keith Gill, who was an employee of a mass mutual uh, subsidiary from 2019 to 2021. His tenure ended as GameStop uh, stock price suddenly soared 800% in a week earlier this year in January. Uh-huh. His job at Mass Mutual was supposedly to create educational materials for current and potential customers, but the regulators are saying that he was also posting videos on YouTube, more than 250 hours worth, and sending a bunch of tweets about investing in GameStop through accounts that were unaffiliated with the company, but it was still against the rules and regulations. All right. So, um, how much are they finding Mass Mutual? Four million dollars. Okay, uh, okay. You know they, uh, their revenue. They're mm-hmm. they're they're a Fortune five. Well, they're a Fortune one hundred company. Okay. Four million dollars. Come on. It's like pocket change. That's like not even. That's change you find in between the cushions of their couch. You know what I mean? It, it's it, it's. I mean their they their revenues. You know are, are twenty nine point six billion. And they have assets of six hundred and seventy-five billion. Hmm. So, okay. yeah, four million dollars. That's that's weak. All yeah. right, what else? 
Okay, uh, let's move on. A new study estimates that life expectancy in the, in the United States decreased by nearly two years between 2018 and 2020, largely, well, mm-hmm, largely due to, of course, the COVID pandemic. And the declines were mostly pronounced among minority groups, including black and Hispanic people. So in 2018, an average life expectancy in the U.S. was about 79 years, 78.7 years old. It declined to about 77 by the end of 2020, so two years. Um, Major reason for this, of course, more than 600,000 deaths in the U.S. from the coronavirus. Other factors, uh, disruptions in healthcare, disruptions in chronic disease management, behavioral... What do they mean? I don't know what they mean when they say disruptions. Disruptions in healthcare. I don't even know what that is. Maybe uh, like some long-term impacts of COVID. So uh, hospitals, you know, being overwhelmed with COVID patients, turning people away for other procedures that might not be as... Yeah, it could be, but I don't know. I mean, that's, I mean, 600,000 is a lot, yes. but we, there's more people, more people die of other stuff too. Heart disease I mean, and stuff right. like that. Yep. I mean, I, I mean, this is interesting that it brought it down. That, that dramatically and, fast. And in two years. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know the, <laughs> you know, the, the other statistics on, you know, things of that nature, but it just seems fast in two years. Bam. You know, yeah. um, it seems to be going in the wrong direction too. Shouldn't our life expectancy be increasing as we get better healthcare we're not getting better healthcare. Healthcare. i don't want not. to get into a political you know i don't know if that's political anyway but you know we, we don't you know our health we don't have a health care system we you know we have the sick care system that's just you know jacked up and that we don't address but i'm not going to get into that because this is a uh, a family show whatever okay. that means right. anyway thank you d <laughs> for that news you can use now you know if we left you with that you know and everyone knows that would be enough but we don't. We always give you more, especially what you've been clamoring for. And that's the news you can't use. All righty. Well, this is news you can't use just because this is something I'm into. An all-civilian crew streaked into space atop a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket on Wednesday on the first privately funded non-government trip into actual orbit around the planet. This will be a three-day flight, and it's devoted to raising $200 million for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Passengers include billionaire Jared uh, Jared Isaacman, who chartered the mission. Always a billionaire somewhere. There we go. Uh, An aerospace (laughs) engineer named Chris Sembrowski, Dr. Cyan Proctor, who's a college professor, and she will become uh, only the fourth black woman to fly in space. She was actually one of the pilots. And Haley Arsenault is a St. Jude cancer survivor who now works for the hospital. The Crew Dragon capsule is uh, reached an orbit of uh, 357 miles, which is 100 miles above the International Space Station. Wait a minute, this is cool. It's higher than anyone has flown since the last shuttle mission uh, to the Hubble telescope in 2009. Listen, uh, what, this is uh, cool stuff. Finish, yeah. Yes. No, no, no. I'm just joking. It, it is. I mean, it's 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 cool. You know. I know you're unimpressed. No, no I mean. I, you know, I, I actually, I, I watched the launch, which, um, you know, I, I checked with, you know, members of my family and they had no idea anything like this was happening, which I guess makes sense because it's not new, you know, people go into space all the time um, and civilians have gone into space. This is a little different because all of them are, are, are so quote unquote civilians. Yes. Um, you know, and I like the fact that they're, that they're one upping the other 
you know, the two billionaires, uh, Bezos and Branson, who went to space, not space. Yes. Um, and they're actually really going to space and staying there for a while. Um, so I liked that aspect of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 cool. Um, are you signing up for the, for the next trip? Oh, for, you for know I am. There yes. The next time a billionaire decides to uh, pay for a trip, I am there. Right. Sign me up. There you go. Um, you know, hopefully it's longer. If you go, hopefully it's longer than uh, three days. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you gotta, you know, you gotta think of, you gotta think yeah. about showers, using the toilet. Yeah, but food is it good? Is no, it bad? No one thinks about that when you're going to space. You're just thinking about being in space, which yeah, is fun. True. All right, got time for one more. Okay, a four-man rowing team announced that they broke a world record by rowing from San Francisco to Hawaii. In 30 days, no. 7 well, hours, and 30 minutes. Well, my thing is they claimed, or was it documented? Because <laughs> you know what? I claim that I swam from San Francisco to Hawaii. I claim it. No one can prove it, but I did it. Now, yes. Now, so. Yes. They, it documented. Oh, okay. Yes. You said yes. they claim. I'm like, yeah, I can claim anything. Is it true? Yes. No. They crossed at 2,400-mile distance from San Francisco to Hawaii. They rode in two-man shifts for two hours at a time to make sure they could be in motion for 24 hours a day. Yeah. And they beat the previous Guinness World Record, which was 39 days. Uh, so they beat it by nine, nine, nine days. entire days. Yep. Oh, that's, that's, that's good, even though that's uh, definitely news that no one cares about and no one can use, which means that was a good one. That was a good one. All right, we all... We all know what this music means. It means we've come to the end of the show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a great week and take it easy on this Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Marcus Warren Show. For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.